Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awakened Church. I hope you enjoy this week's message. That, that, you know, the Lord gives me the message earlier in the week. If it happens late in the week, it makes me a little more nervous. <laughs> but, um, but, it's, but it's part of the process. I've learned as a preacher, we were watching a movie one night, and there was a, there was a pastor on there, and he was out kind of late on a Saturday night. And they're like, hey, pastor, what are you doing out so late on a Saturday night? He's like, well... You know, I'm going to get up and rewrite my sermon again anyways at 4.30 in the morning, so it doesn't really matter. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. But today, today is the day of Pentecost. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, so we're celebrating Pentecost. It's kind of a, a double whammy today uh, as far as Memorial Day weekend, your holiday weekend, and... Um, the Feast of Pentecost, a holiday, if you will, for, uh, for the Jewish tradition and the Jewish tradition and for us in our Christian tradition as well. Uh, so we're going to dive in deep. Um, I want you to, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open, up to, open them up to Acts chapter 2. And um, if everyone probably has uh, one of those connect cards near you. If you don't have anything to take notes with, I would encourage you to use the connect card, the comment section, somewhere on there to take some notes today. Uh, get out the note thing on your phone, uh, whatever, because I'm going to just rapid fire a lot of scripture and a lot of truth today to you. Are you ready? All right, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. I sat on my communion cup. There it is. <laughs> if you heard what that was. Oh, man. That wasn't very professional, was it? We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and we're talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and I know it's a holiday weekend, so I'm going to get you out of here, as I say every week, in pretty good time, pretty decent time. That was actually a preacher joke. Nobody even left. <laughs> okay, if I have to ask for this, like, if I have to ask for an amen, I probably didn't deserve it. If I have to ask for your laugh, I probably didn't deserve it either, so... <laughs> I did hear, it reminds me of this one preacher I heard. He was preaching on the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he wanted to really add some dramatic effects to the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so he got one of the teenagers in the church uh, to climb up in the attic. And I guess in this old country church where the preacher was um, was ministering, there was a, a vent here where there used to be like a hole in the ceiling where a vent used to be that they just hadn't covered. So it was kind of like this open hole right above the pulpit. And so he's, he told this teenager, he's like, when I say the Holy Spirit, I want you to throw this dove down. You're going to be up in the ceiling. When I say the Holy Spirit came down, I want you to throw the dove down. and It's going to be amazing, the special effects. So... <laughs> So the preacher, the preacher, he's, he's going through the sermon. It's a great sermon. He's really feeling it. And the, the student, the teenager, he's up there just waiting for the words. And all of a sudden, the, the preacher says, and the Holy Spirit came down. Nothing. And the Holy Spirit came down. Nothing. And the Holy Spirit came down. 
Everybody's just like, man, this guy, he's really wanting to drive home that point, the Holy Spirit. And about that time, the preacher hears a voice coming from above, and he says, hey, preacher, the cat ate the dove. You want me to throw the cat down? <laughs> I don't know why a cat was up in the ceiling. I have no idea. <laughs> so sorry. I'm really not good at telling jokes. But... <laughs> You can tell that one to all your friends and neighbors. <laughs> <Just tell. laughs> all right, Acts chapter 2. Let's get to some scripture before we do something else. All right, Acts chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to focus really on three different points today. And I want everybody to just notice a few things um, about the scripture. We're going to read these verses 1 through 4. Then I want to call our attention to, to a few things that are similar in all of these verses. Okay, There's going to be one word that we're going to take from each one of these sets of verses that's going to help us um, develop our point, our main, uh, main idea today. Um, because when you're studying the Bible, that's one thing you want to do. You want to, um, you want to pay attention to repeated words. Everybody shake your head like this. You want to pay attention to repeated words in the verses that you're reading because it could be that Holy Spirit is highlighting these words to us. Okay? So, Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, I want to pause right there. This is the, this is the English Standard Version. In most other translations and, in fact, even more literal, this should read, when the day of Pentecost was fully come or when the day of Pentecost had fully arrived. All right, so there's, in the original Greek language, there's a word, the word fully, uh, right before the word arrived. Everybody say amen? Okay, good. I said, when the day of Pentecost had fully arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, here's the three occurrences of a word that I want to point out to you. It's going to serve for our three different points today. When the day of Pentecost, remember there's a word. What, what word is before arrived? Fully, all right? When the day of Pentecost fully arrived, okay, and uh, verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to focus in on that word fully and just how it's going to help us dive into to this set of four verses. You ready? Okay, good, good, good. All right, good. All right. <laughs> so verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when it had fully arrived, they were all together in one place with one accord. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Historically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a historical perspective and then a spiritual perspective. All right, this is going to be very quick. It's going to be rapid fire. So historically, 50 days after Passover was when they celebrated Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks as it's known in the Old Testament. Okay, so 50 days after Passover. Now, what did Passover celebrate? Passover celebrated the barley harvest, and then Pentecost celebrated the wheat harvest. This was an agrarian society, right? And so they celebrated these different harvests that the Lord had provided. And what would they do during these harvests? They would bring their first fruit of their offering, the first thing that the, the first part of their, their harvest to the Lord. Number two, 50 days after Passover, Passover celebrated their redemption from Egypt, okay? 
Pentecost celebrated, this is traditionally speaking now, the, over throughout the years, Jewish tradition says that Pentecost celebrated the giving of the law. All right, so 50 days after they were freed from slavery in Egypt, they said they met at Mount Sinai and God gave them the law. What was the law? The law was his covenant, the Ten Commandments, with them, right? All right, so 50 days after Passover, Pentecost. 50 days after Passover, uh, the Feast of Weeks. 50 days after Passover, the giving of the law. 50 days after they were freed from Egypt, the giving of the law. All right, so, so spiritually now, here's what we know according to the New Testament. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, that's what Pentecost is. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus appeared for how many days to his disciples after he rose from the grave? Anybody know? Four, well, 40, 40, 40. <laughs> Yeah, 40. I was trying to figure out how do I hold this microphone and make a zero. 40. All right, so 40 days Jesus appeared to his disciples, and that's in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. You can get that, that uh, information. And also in verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples that they will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they will be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, um, and you can read that. But the, the, the fact was is that, let, let's go actually there. Turn in Acts chapter 1. I want you to read this. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And you can actually search for it on your Bible app as well. Acts chapter 1. And when you're there, say, I'm there. All right. Okay. All right. Acts chapter 1. All right. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4. Here's what it says. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, Acts 1, 8, what else did he say? He said to them, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now turn to the left, back to the end of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. I want you to see something here. Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 49. When you're there, say, I'm there. Luke 24, 49. It says, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay, this, these were Jesus's words. These are red letters. So 50 days after the resurrection, this is when the day of Pentecost happened. Jesus appeared for 40 days. Letter B, for 10 days, the disciples were in the upper room. So Jesus ascended after the 40 days, he ascended to the father. And then for 10 days, the disciples were in the upper room. What were they doing in the upper room? They were devoting themselves to prayer according to Acts 1. They were all with one mind and one accord. That means they had the same passion. They were waiting on the same thing. They were waiting for this promise of the Father. Here they were devoted to prayer. All right? And there was 120 of them. There was 120 of them. I would just say that that number 120 is significant because if you go back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, God says to humankind that, that, that the number of their days would be 120. 
due to the rebellion that they were, um, that due to their own rebellion, they were, he was shortening their days to 120 days, right? So now there's 120 believers in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Father. Could it be now that God is, God is redeeming humankind, right? Now, could it be now that God is giving them this 120, instead of a curse, instead of a judgment, a blessing in this day? Now, I just want to make a plug here for corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is whenever we all get together and we begin to pray, <laughs> right? I want to make a plug here for how important it is for the life of the body of Christ for us to come together and pray. This is when they experienced the promise of the Father, is through corporate prayer, when they were devoted to prayer. Now, these guys, were, these guys and girls were praying for 10 days straight. Can you imagine praying for 10 days straight? <laughs> That's a lot of praying, isn't it? I mean, we have trouble praying for maybe a half hour in a day. Or like, Sometimes even come in the church for an hour and a half, um, once a week. <laughs> These guys were praying for 10 days straight. And so I think what it was doing is what, what their dedication to prayer meant. And I know that they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid that what was going to happen to them, it was going to happen to them what just happened to Jesus, right? Because the Jews had just crucified Jesus not many days before, a little over a month before. So they were afraid. And so they were all together, but they all still had this one mind and one purpose. One passion is why they were meeting together. You understand? All right. So corporate prayer is very important. Now, here's, here's what I want us to, to, to notice about this. Is time was full. Everybody say full. Time was full. The word there, this, whenever I, the words that I wanted to, to draw your attention to, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, right? That word means is that it, the days were fulfilled. It was full. It was complete. It was entirely full. It was, it was like, like the, it was entirely there, the day of Pentecost. The time was full. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15, it, the, the law tells the people of Israel that they are to count the days, literally from Passover to Pentecost, or from Passover to the Feast of Weeks. They are to count down the days. And Jewish tradition even had something called counting the omers. That's a, that's, a, that's a weird word for us, omers. But it means that they were counting the sheaves. Counting, in other words, counting the harvest. Counting down the days until the, the Feast of Weeks, from Passover to Pentecost. They were expecting in this day, right? Um, they, they came with an attitude of expectation because they were counting down the days. Some of us, I think how this may translate um, naturally to our lives, right? So sometimes we're counting down the days to a certain event, right? We're counting down the days to a certain time period. Um, like, um, like we're doing some premarital counseling with a missionary couple that we know, and like they are counting down the days until their wedding day. They have saved themselves for marriage, and so they are counting down the days until they get married. We just celebrated graduation Sunday last week. I can remember graduating like, man, you are counting down the days. I hated school. I just I could not wait. I'm counting down the days, right? Um, 
for mothers who have been expecting before, like you are counting down the days until this baby is living inside of you. It's a crazy thing. <laughs> you can deliver this thing. Person, not just the thing, person. <laughs> but you're counting down the days. So, so spiritually, like this was, this was the culture. This was what they were doing. This is what they were used to doing. They were counting down the days from Passover to Pentecost. They were counting down the days between harvest. They were counting down the days between, because every, every Jewish male was, was, uh, was required to come to Jerusalem for three feasts. This was one of those feasts. And so they came together from all around the regions around Jerusalem. They were counting down the days so they could come together and meet together again. So when they came together, man, we were counting down the days. We're counting down the days to get to this day. Now. It's like whenever um, Jesus is talking about um, when a woman gives birth, right? Like it's, it's a painful thing, but for the joy that she experiences, like she forgets the pain in that moment because of the joy of seeing the baby before her, right? That there's this joy that, over, that supersedes the pain. Yeah? So, so in, this, in this instance, like they were expecting, they were expecting. What were they expecting? <laughs> They're expecting power. Because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. They were expecting power. They were expecting, what if they were expecting what Joel 2 declared to them? Joel chapter 2, because Peter then gives commentary after the Holy Spirit falls. He gives commentary on what just happened, and he relates Joel chapter 2, where God says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Like they were expecting this pouring out. They were expecting something when they came together. They weren't just like, they didn't just show up and they're like, man, oh man, I hope Pete has a good message today. I really hope he has a good one. They were expecting like a fulfillment of promise. They were expecting the fulfillment. They had counted down the days. They were expecting something to happen. All right. Everybody say, calm down, Jeremy. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, okay, Roman numeral two, and this is going to be our second point from, um, from the filled word, okay? So verse two, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it, the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Okay. So historically, check this out, the, at the giving of the law, what happened? Whenever Moses ascended Mount Sinai, what happened? Exodus 19, 16 through 20 tells us this, that there were thunder, there were lightnings, there was smoke, a cloud, fire. <laughs> what happened in Acts 2? Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on them, each one of them. Now, at the giving of the law, not everybody could, go, could come close to the Lord. In fact, only Moses could, could truly ascend there with the Lord. 
And everybody else said there was so many limits set to how far the people could go. They were like, Moses said, from God, God told Moses to tell the people, don't even touch the mountain or you're going to die. Because Mount Sinai was altogether set on smoke. It was set on fire by the presence of God. God came down in a fire. He came down in thunder. The whole mountain was smoking. So spiritually, spiritually, what heaven was sending in this instance was for everyone. Why would I say that? It filled the entire house. Everybody say entire. Yeah, man. It filled the entire house. Tongues as a fire rested on each one of them. This is what God was doing. Heaven was sending something for everyone. Can we get that? Heaven was sending something for everyone. Can you, can you just get like, we started out talking about the grace of God and God bending towards us. Can you sense the grace in this moment as they were waiting as they were waiting, and now God is sending something, not just for Peter and James and John, but for the, everyone gathered, for the 120 gathered, God was sending something for everyone. I think that's a good place for an amen. I'm not going to call for it, but they're all right. So, tongues as of fire, it says, appeared to them. Now, what's interesting about the word appeared is it actually means like they could see it. <laughs> Here's, here's what was happening. God was doing something that they could see. John Wimber, uh, the leader of the Vineyard Movement, he had this simple prayer. He wasn't into theatrics. In fact, he, 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 he most of the time told the people ministering with him to dial it down. Dial it down. And his, his question that he asked the Lord whenever he began ministering was, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Because remember, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, and he only said what he heard the Father say. And so what was happening here is that heaven was pouring out something on each one Something that could be seen. Something that they could see. Now, they were watching. That word appear means that they were watching what God was doing intently. They were earnestly inspecting with eyes wide open, beholding the remarkable thing happening. This is what was happening. God was doing something in their midst that everyone could see. It wasn't something secret, something behind the scenes. It wasn't something just for a few, but it was something that all the 120 gathered in the room who had one heart, one purpose, one passion. Something that God was doing was for each one, and they could see it. Sometimes you, um, sometimes you may wonder especially when someone gives a word of knowledge. For example, when Shira gives a word of knowledge and um, 
and, and she asks the person, um, let's, say, let's say she has a word of knowledge about uh, right knee pain right around the kneecap. Uh, someone experiencing right knee pain right around the kneecap, and she'll ask somebody, can you, just, can you just test that out right now? Can you just, let's, in other words, let's see what God is doing. Let's see what God is doing. Is it a little bit better, right? How much better is it? So we, see, oftentimes we, we are just like overcome with, with the bam. <laughs> like we would love to just walk into, um, walk into the and suddenlies. But I heard a great preacher one time say that the suddenlies only come by the constantlies. Oh, man, that's going to preach. The suddenlies only happen by the constantlies. And so these people, these guys and ladies were gathered together. They were gathered together 10 days straight, praying, 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 praying. And then, and suddenly, the constantlies. So how, how wide open are our eyes to what God may be doing in your life, Right? In other words, when you're praying for your children, how wide open are your eyes to what God may be doing? Hey, it's not the end suddenly, but hey, they were kind to me today. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> there's the, you understand, it's, it's the constantlies. I'm praying for my kids constantly, and if there's just a little bit, I just want to see you move somehow, God. If you can move just somehow, I'm going to be thankful. I'm praying for something to get better in my life, some pain. I've had people lay hands on, my, on me for a long time, and if I can just get through, get through one meal where I don't feel like I'm choking, praise God. Because the suddenly's coming, but I'm going to praise Him for every time that I can get through. You understand what I'm saying? So don't let the, you, because you haven't seen the suddenly, don't let it steal what the constantly can bring you. I've said this before, but whenever I was called to preach, before I was called to preach, I was up at the altar every, this is an altar, by the way. It doesn't have the old wooden thing, but this is our altar up front. Um, I was up at the altar every single service, constantly seeking the Lord for what he had for me to do. Because I just believed that there was a purpose for my life. Yeah, mom told me I was special. Yeah, I'm special. <laughs> I tell my kids they're special too. Because God does have a purpose for their life. And God has a purpose for your life, but you're never going to find it out unless you're committed to the constantly. Let me just say this. You're never going to experience, you're never going to pick up what heaven is dropping unless you are in the constantlies. All right. Everybody say, go on, Jeremy. Go on, Jeremy. All right, go on. <laughs> they were watching what God was doing intently, earnestly, inspecting with eyes wide open. Man, that's good preaching. Behold the remarkable thing happening. And so then what God was, what God was doing before their very eyes is that he had poured out the gift of tongues, which that word means, the Greek word is glossa, and it's not a naturally acquired language. In other words, the Spirit was giving birth to something new inside of them, okay? The Spirit was giving birth, doing something brand new to this 120. Glossa is the word from, we get the word glossary, right? Our English word glossary. And so it's a lot of words, a lot of 
syllables, a lot of things coming, a lot of words coming to these 120 gathered that they didn't naturally acquire. I've tried to learn a, learn a second language before. It's hard. You know, through um, almost on, on Father's Day, it'll be 19 years married to my lovely bride. I'm at a kindergarten level of Spanish, maybe preschool. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> my overseer, Harry, he gives me such a hard time. He's like, oh, great, Herd. Like, you're at a kindergarten level. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> All right, number three, number three. Everybody say number three. All right. Um, <clears throat> It says, and they were all filled. And let's do that again. And they were all, let's try one more time. Just shout it out. And they were all with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, Spirit, okay, so historically, historically, I'm going I'm to propose something to you. What if God was restoring in them a pure language. Okay. Here's why I say this. In Genesis 11, you can mark these scripture references down. In Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, God had previously confused all the languages at the, whenever the people had gotten together and they were trying to build a tower up to heaven, right? And God had said, now nothing will be impossible for them. And so what did he do? He, he confused all their languages, which is where the word Babel comes from, and so that's where the different languages came from, right? So he confused their language. Now, why would he do that? Because it was out of the, the, the wickedness of their heart that they were trying to build a tower to get up to heaven. They were trying to see what all they could do, right? Now, um, what do we know about the God, um, the God that we believe in? Uh, we know that nothing is impossible for he, he or she who believes, right? Now, the difference with Genesis chapter 11 and us who believe that all things are possible and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, the, whole, the difference there is that I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I'm not trying to build a kingdom for myself. I'm not trying to work my way up to heaven. I'm just catching on to what heaven is dropping. I'm, 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 I'm catching what heaven is dropping. I'm receiving what heaven is dropping. And I only want to see God's purposes fulfilled in this world, right? So there's a difference. Um, here's, here's another scripture for you. Uh, he was fulfilling his prophet promise from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. Now, I want to turn there really quick. Everybody say real quick, Jeremy. Real quick, Jeremy. Real quick, Jeremy. How quick, Jeff? Real quick, real quick. All right. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. All right. Zephaniah 3, verse number 9. For at that time, he says, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that they all may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. Okay, with one accord. They were meeting together in the day of Pentecost. What were they in? One accord, right? One mind, one purpose, okay? So, Spiritually, now hold on, hold on. Mark chapter 16, verse number 17. 
This is something we cannot ignore. One of the things that Jesus says, one of the signs that will follow them who believe is what? That they will speak with new tongues. All right? This is one of the things that he says. Amen? Oh, we, we like to lay hands on the sick and they will recover that one. All right? But we cannot ignore these others. All right? All right, so spiritually, 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 this was the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit. This was the baptism with slash in the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to get. I really want us to understand this today. I, by the way, I drew, on, I drew on many references for the sermon today. I drew on uh, sermons by Robert Morris. I drew on sermons by Mike Bickle. I drew on sermons uh, and, and, and material from many sources, people that I trust, right? And so this was one of the things that came out, some, some, um, some revelation that came out of listening and filling myself with the word and with these different resources. There are three baptisms. Everybody hold three. Three baptisms, okay? Number one, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. You can go ahead and turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Here's what it says. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. All right? So in other words, and, and, and also, so this is what happens. This is um, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Um, the Holy Spirit is also at work regenerating us. In other words, making us new. In John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, it says that you must be born again of water and the Spirit, right? And so the Holy Spirit indwells believers. Everybody say amen to that. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. This is what happens. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. He baptizes you into the body of Christ. In other words, to the church, you are baptized in Christ. How many of you know in Christ is a good place to be? In Christ is a good place to be. There's no better place than in Christ and in the body of Christ. And at this point, the fruit of the Spirit is evidence. That's Galatians chapter 6, verse 22 through 23. The fruit of the, the Spirit is evidence because why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells believers. So you should expect the fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, joy, goodness, gentleness, kindness, faith, self-control. I don't know if that was nine or not, but anyway, there's nine of them, <laughs> all right? <laughs> There's nine of them. All right, so by the way, here's, here's one thing too. Here's one thing I want you to picture. Everybody okay? Shake your head, yes? All right, here's what I want you to picture. So Jesus, Jesus um, uh, or, or it's recorded in the Gospels that, that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. Not actually, like it wasn't like a, a, a dove dove, but in the form of a dove, right? The Holy Spirit wasn't a dove, <laughs> but in the form of a dove. Interestingly enough, Holy Spirit has nine bones in each wing. So I hear. Don't Google me right now, and if I'm wrong, you can just keep it to yourself. But anyway, so I hear. <laughs> so I hear the Holy Spirit has, or the, not the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the dove has nine bones in each wing, 
right? So how many fruit, fruit of the Spirit are there? Nine, right? How many gifts of the Spirit are there? Nine, right? So at this point, <laughs> at this point, we were baptized into the body of, body of Christ. There's three baptisms. We're baptized into the body of Christ. When we are saved, when we put personal faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes us new. He regenerates us makes us a new person, so now I can show kindness, now I can show love, now I can show these character traits that closely resemble Jesus. Yeah? All right. The next baptism is the baptism in water, and who baptizes in water? The disciples baptize in water. It's not just a, a pastor, it's not just a minister. Disciples baptize in water. What, why would I say that? It's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can baptize somebody if you're a disciple of Jesus. That's the second baptism. Now, the third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. Why would I say this? All four Gospels declare this. Turn with me real quick. We're only going to look at one of them. Matthew chapter 3. All right, Matthew chapter 3, and I am going fast. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Matthew 3, verse 11. It says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, talking about Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All right, this is what Jesus does for us. He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. All four Gospels declare this. There's not many other things that all four Gospels declare. All four Gospels declare Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus does. And at this point, the gifts of the Spirit are evidence. And that the gifts are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gifts are evidence at this point. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says that the gifts of the Spirit are given, or the manifestations of the Spirit are given to all. All right? I want, you, I want to read it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So this is what you can expect. This is what you can expect with the baptism of the Spirit is that the supernatural begins to happen in your life. Because after all, what is Holy Spirit trying and, or inviting us and leading us into? He's leading us to become more like Jesus, right? So as you read the Gospels, you read how Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed, you, you read about him casting out devils, you read about him doing the miraculous. So shouldn't we expect the same thing from this baptism that Jesus promised us? Not just to be, now listen, not just to be nice people, but to be nice people who carry power. Right? But to, to be people, now listen, the gifts of the Spirit, now I've heard all the arguments in the world. I've heard all the arguments well, that's, that's a pretty big statement. I haven't heard them all in the world. <laughs> but, I've, but I've come up against a lot of different theology. I've come up against a lot of different systems. I studied systematic theology in college that, dis, that went to disprove 
what the Bible says. I was taught against what the Bible says. I went to our general superintendent in the denomination that I used to serve, and I said, listen, this is what God is doing in my life. The supernatural is breaking forth, like I'm hearing words of knowledge. I've, I've spoken in tongues since I was a, a, a freshman in college. In my dorm room. It wasn't because there was any great theatrical expression. It was just because I was, I was looking in here and I was hungry for what I saw in the Bible. And I went to him and I told him these things and he said, Jeremy, we're just scared. We're scared of what might happen. Well, listen. Jesus doesn't want to scare us into spiritual gifts. <laughs> he doesn't want to scare you into accepting his love. He doesn't want to scare you into accepting salvation. He doesn't want to scare you into accepting the baptism of the Spirit. He doesn't want, that's not him. But what he does want is, check this out. He does want you to desire the spiritual. Now listen, that's 1 Corinthians 14.1. He wants you to desire the spiritual. Now we have, most English translation has gifts there. But gifts is, is left out in the original translation. So what should we desire? We should desire the spiritual. We should desire the spirit in our life. Not just the gifts, but I desire the giver. Amen, Jeremy. Desire the giver of the gifts, not just gifts. Desire the giver. Now, with that said, see, that precedes then first, the, the rest of 1 Corinthians 14.1, which it says you should desire the gift of prophecy. <laughs> desire the spiritual, especially that you may prophesy. In other words, what is the gift of prophecy? It's pretty scary. All you do is you hear God speak and you say what he says. So in other words, this is a relational thing that God wants you to desire. In, in other words, it actually says pursue. Desire the spiritual, but pursue the spiritual gift. Now, uh, or, or pursue prophecy. Now, I was, a, I was a pastor in Cambridge, Ohio for uh, like two years or so. And, and there, were, there were hardcore hunters out there. I mean, hardcore hunters. I mean, these guys had trail cams up everywhere. Uh, they, would, they would like wrap themselves in deer pee and like, like they just, they were, they were crazy hunters. I mean, I was pretty intimidated. I, they were like, Jeremy, do you do any hunting? And I'm like, I have like twice, three times. I did get a turkey while I was there. I paid a lot for that turkey. <laughs> okay, side, side story. Anyways, these guys were, these guys were serious hunters. In other words, they were pursuing what they, what they were pursuing that prey. How much of our life, let me, just, let me just, just do a rhetorical question here. How much of our life is actually spent pursuing hearing from God and saying what he says? How much of our desire is actually even for the spiritual? It's a great, it's a great setup that you're here today. This is a great indication. Like, man, yeah, I'm desiring the spiritual. I'm here on a holiday weekend for crying out loud. It's a great like, these are great steps. You're not a sinner for not coming on Wednesdays. You're not a sinner. <laughs> You're not a sinner for not coming to small groups. You're not. But I just, 
What I long for is God to, to, to stir up desire in our heart for the spiritual. Amen? And you can, you can have God stirring up desire in other places of your life. Some of you have an amazing devotional life. Yes, your desire in the spiritual. Come on, man. You, some of you read the Bible every single day. You are desiring the spiritual. Some of you fast. You're desiring the spiritual. Some of you watch messages online and you listen to, to Christian worship music. You're desiring the spiritual. Some of you, like Jeff, he comes, he comes here on Tuesday to just to get all of our sound worked out. Man, he's desiring the spiritual. This is part of it. Nobody's here to beat you down for not coming every time the door's open. Man, that would be great. Man, it's just an invitation into love. It's an invitation into the more that God has. And I, what, I, what I desired was for the more. What I, what, what I sensed deep in my heart whenever Holy Spirit regenerated me is that God had something more for me. That's why I was constantly up front. And that's why in my dorm room, whenever nobody else around me was believing it except for a, three, a couple more people, I was desiring the spiritual. I'm almost done, says every great preacher. All right. You should desire the gift of prophecy. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to give you this information. And then we're not going to do anything theatrical. I'm not going to look for any response from anybody. But I'm just going to invite you by faith to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In just a few minutes. There are two types of the gift of tongues outlined in 1 Corinthians 12. We're dealing with it because the day of Pentecost deals with it. Okay? Two types of the gift of tongues. There's a corporate tongue for the body, 1 Corinthians 12. And then there's what Paul would call in 1 Corinthians 14 too, the tongue where I don't talk to men, but I talk to God. That's 1 Corinthians 14 too. And that's what we would call the prayer language tongue. Um, what happened in Acts chapter 2, 11 is that the onlookers that day what they heard happening was the, the praises to God. It wasn't a missional thing. These people had received a gift of tongues, and they were praising God. This is the literal translation. They were praising God. This is what was happening. God had given them a way, a voice to praise him that superseded even their understanding and communicated directly to him. Now, what is the apostle? So, so it praises God. Uh, letter B says that it edifies you. How many of you know that you need to be built up? I need to be built up. I need, I need to be built up on the inside. What we need are the corporate gifts in the body to build one another up. And Paul is very, very clear. When we're gathered together, man, seek to, to excel in building one another up. Develop this prophetic community where you're able to hear from God and speak directly to people. Hey, like Wendy told me today, she's like, Jeremy, I had a dream last night. I don't know if it's spiritual or not, but here's what the dream was. And I'm like, I don't know either, but I'll pray about it. <laughs> right? 
It's not like these crazy people, like, you know, beating you on the back until you start, until you start speaking a language that nobody's ever heard. It's not that. God's heart in revealing this, and we hardly ever deal with it, is because, because we're, it, we are scared of it, and we've seen so many rep- misrepresentations. I know in my own family, this, this gift has been avoided because early on, somebody came and said, you're not saved unless you speak in tongues, and that is not scriptural, that is not Bible. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you in the moment of salvation. But have you received the Holy Spirit? Baptism. You're fully immersed in Him. I heard one preacher say it like this. He was being challenged on and he said, well, another older preacher was talking to this preacher. He's like, well, you have your mother-in-law living in your house, but you have you totally received your mother-in-law. All right, so, okay, all right, maybe that was too far. Anyways, I love my mother-in-law. Nothing against mother-in-laws, right? Sometimes we're just so unreceptive to what Holy Spirit wants to bring. And so here's what I want to do. So, so, so 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says it builds you up, this gift of tongues, this, this, this prayer language tongue where you speak to God and, and between, it's between you and him. The Apostle Paul's experience, Paul spoke in tongues more than anyone, 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul wants us all to speak in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Now, that's scripture. What we have to be aware of is this, is that God is not boxed in with any of our systems. Jeff, could you play a pad real quick? Um, God is not boxed in with any of our systems. What that means is that throughout church culture, throughout church history, what we like to do in our Western world is systematize everything. Like this happens, this happens, this happens. If I can, if I can kind of break up everything into a system, man, I'm, I'm good to go. But what if God works outside of our system? What if God works outside of all the little boxes that we put him in? And what if, what if because of our different systems and even doctrines in some cases and theology, we, God help us because we, we build denominations based on our own experience or our lack of experience. God help us. This is not the heart of God. Those 120 that were gathered in the upper room, they were just there for one purpose, to receive the endowment of power. When you read the book of Acts, A lot of times when somebody received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues or they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes you don't know how they received the Spirit. You don't know what happened. What if there were just some people who were hungry to receive what they knew was for them? I heard one preacher say it like this is that, and when you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like that, that garden hose nozzle on your, your garden hose, right? Like, you can, like God can switch whatever he wants on whenever he wants to use it, right? So if he wants to use you to give you a word of knowledge, you can have a word of knowledge for someone. 
if he wants you to say something, he can give you a word to say something. If he wants to reveal something to you, he can give, give you a word to reveal something. If he wants to move in power, he can, give you a, he can give you the gift to move in power. These are all things that were natural to the church, but we've lost them because we've systematized them out. Now, what if we came to God believing that he actually had these gifts for us rather than saying, well, if you want me to have it, God, just give it to me. That doesn't make any sense. Like, well, if you want me to get saved, I'll get saved. No, I have to believe that salvation is for me. <laughs> like, I have to believe the gospel that Jesus actually died on the cross for me. He rose from the grave, and the guilt that I'm feeling right now was actually taken care of over 2,000 years ago, and the blood of Christ still covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> if I put my personal faith in Jesus, then I have eternal life. What if I actually believed that, yes, that there is, there is a grace to speak to God in a language nobody else may know around me except for him, and that's okay? What if I, what if I believed that God could use me in any, in any instance to minister power, to stand up and speak a word in a language that I don't even know, but somebody else is going to interpret it and, <laughs> and give a word of prophecy because of that. Lord, we desire today just for you to do what you want to do. And I just believe today that the baptism and the Holy Spirit is for me. I want to do this, church. If you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've never even heard that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you've been saved and you know you're saved, but you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'd just like for you to turn your palms like upwards, like you're ready to receive something. And just ask God, just between you and him, nothing theatrical, nobody coming forward. Just, I wanna receive this baptism. This is between you and him, you know that, right? I wanna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Just tell him, I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I believe it's for me. And I want to encourage you if there's words or syllables that come to your mind, don't speak them out loud in an outlandish way. Speak them to God. Because this is something that he pours out to edify you, to build you up. It sounds foolishness to you. But this is a gift to you. Lord, I wanna prophesy. I want to hear from you. Just tell him, I want to hear from you. But I know I need you. 
I have to be clothed with power. I have to be clothed with power. How many of you would just say with an upraised hand that you've lacked power in your life? I've lacked power to overcome, power to, to do what I see the Jesus in the Bible doing. I just need power. Lord, we want to be endued, clothed with power from on high. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah. If you're in the room and you'd like to, you don't, you don't even know if you're saved, but you would like to be saved, meaning you would like to know Christ as your personal Savior, it's super simple. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the grave to give you eternal life. Believe in your heart Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Thank you, Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure you like and share the podcast. And if you're ever in the Highlands County area, uh, make sure you stop by and visit us. Uh, we're located at 1121 uh, Memorial Drive in Avon Park, Florida. Uh, we'd love to meet you here.